0: Do you think that it's wrong to work for a prize or reward? I had a boss once who told me that if I worked hard, harder, he'd give me a raise in pay. Now some might say it would have been better if I had worked harder just because it was the right thing to do. So the question this morning is, as we consider what the Scripture says about eternal rewards that God promises to give us, should we work hard just because we want a reward Is the pursuance of rewards a godly motivation? For those of you here for the first time, uh, we began a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, getting ready to meet Jesus for that moment in time when our eyes meet His and uh, we hear what He has to say as He evaluates our life. If I tell you that I'm striving to be an exemplary pastor because I want a crown of glory, do you think that I'm poorly motivated? Should I work hard just because I love Christ and not give much, if any, thought to the reward I might receive? Several years ago, I heard a pastor say uh, what I've heard a number of Christians say as well. He said, not that I'm doing it for the reward. Is working for rewards a base motivation? As we consider the eternal rewards that God promises to give us, is it an admirable trait to be motivated to do what is right and pleasing to God because of what we will receive from Him? Or would it be better if we simply obeyed God's word and walked by faith because it's the right thing to do? And if we happen to get a reward when we get to heaven, we'll say, well, it was nice, but it really wasn't what motivated us. Is working for rewards a godly motivation? You see, the reason I think many Christians don't give much thought to the rewards that God has promised to them is because they think that it smacks of selfishness. If I'm working for what I'm going to get, that sounds like selfishness, doesn't it? I think that's why this whole casting crowns thing is so prevalent in many Christians' thinking. We think this way, well, if I do get a crown for my efforts on earth, I'll simply take it off and cast it at the feet of Jesus because having a crown would make it seem like I'm better than others and draw too much attention to me. We really don't even understand what a crown means. Here's the problem. We see an apparent contradiction in the teachings of the scriptures. And I say apparent because we look more, when we look more closely at it, we'll find that it's not a contradiction, but it's simply a misunderstanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, in the, in the love chapter, says love does not seek its own. From this and other similar scriptural teachings, we infer that to really love God means to do not to do things for ourselves in fact we think that the less we are motivated to do anything for ourselves the more spiritual we are the most spiritual person is the person that does everything for God and for others and we reason that if the most spiritual person is the one who has never been motivated by what he or she will get out of it then how could it be a godly motivation to work for our own rewards have I totally lost you? <laughs> you see, God has laid out in front of us these rewards. He said, and, and I, we could go through dozens of scriptures that talk about if we do this, we will be rewarded for it in heaven when we see Jesus. And yet often, we, often Christians are not motivated by the rewards they will get. I remember my uncle Saying a number of years ago, he said, Nobody, I, he said, in all of my searching for literature, books that have been written on the subjects of rewards, he said, I have only found one small little one written by Theodore Epp called, uh, I can't even remember what the name of it was, uh, Present, Rewar- Present Rewards, Future Glory, or something like that. There's a dearth of information about what the scripture has to say about rewards. Why is that so? Is it because God is not offering to us something that's good? I think much of it has to do with the fact that there's a, there we feel conflicted inside when we read the scriptures that talk about self-denial and the scriptures that talk about receiving a reward. So even though God promises to reward us, we feel that we must not overtly work for those rewards and should give only passing notice to them. If God wants to give them to us, well then that's His business. But we're surely not going to focus on attaining them. So is there another way to resolve this apparent contradiction without saying, well we just won't pay much attention to them? I believe that there is. So I'd like to begin here with happiness. Now those of you who have been around me for a few years have heard me talk about this before but I think it's worthy of being reminded again. I believe that happiness is the most pervasive motivation with every human being. And if you would think about it, you would recognize that we naturally do everything we do because we believe that it will make us happier. We get married because we think it'll make us happier. We have children because we think it will make us happier. We get an education, we change jobs, we watch TV, we go for a jog, we eat a cookie, you know, all of these things because we think that it'll make us happier. There's a, there's a drive within us to be happy. You recognize that? I believe that's the way God created us. Some, might, some would say, well, no, that's a result of sin in our lives, but I don't think so. Some believe excuse me, they, those who believe that this is a result of sin would teach that the root of all evil is the passions that were within us. In the past history of Christianity, there have been those who have taught what we need to do is beat our bodies. And uh, there's the, the asceticism that, is, that arose within the history of the church where people felt like the, the spiritual thing to do was just to deny ourselves any pleasure at all and in fact bring pain to ourselves as much as we could. And that would help us to overcome evil passions. Let's look at the example of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Foolish and harmful desires. Is there something wrong with money? No. As a matter of fact, many people misquote this verse and they say, Well, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? No, it doesn't say that. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with money. Is there something wrong with working hard to get more of it? Well, it depends upon what you're going to use it for. If you just want more of it so you can spend it on yourself, then you're not pursuing happiness and pleasure strongly enough. And this might be a new concept to some of you. If you are are working hard to get more money so that you can simply spend it on yourself, I believe you're not pursuing pleasure strongly enough. I'll explain what I mean. If you want more of it so that you can share it with others, then you're discovering the greatest pleasure that money can offer. Look at what the scripture says in Ephesians four twenty-eight: Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who is in need. So we work and earn money so that we can share it with other people because that's where the joy really comes. <coughs> In Acts chapter 20, verse 38, it says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now think with me for a minute here. If Jesus says that it's more blessed to give than to receive, is He not suggesting to us that we pursue pleasure? There is pleasure in receiving Jesus says there's greater pleasure in giving it is more blessed to give than to receive you'll be happier people Jesus says if you're giving you agree with that don't you C.S. Lewis said it this way the problem is not that we seek our own pleasure too much but that we seek it too little we are far too easily satisfied by things like money sex and power when God offers to us the ultimate pleasure of an intimate relationship with Him. When we are are finding our pleasure in developing a deep and intimate personal relationship with God, we are experiencing the deepest joy, satisfaction, happiness, and pleasure that a human being can experience. Psalm 16 says, "In In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore that's real happiness everything else is counterfeit everything else is short-lived everything else has a negative often has a negative uh, consequence to it when obtaining what God wants to give us is our greatest objective we are pursuing what is truly right and good so then how do we explain those scriptures that talk about denying ourselves For instance, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 say, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, strong in faith is what he's talking about, and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. If we we realize that our greatest happiness is found in loving God and others, then how can we be free, excuse me, then we can be free to pursue our own pleasure In loving others. I am a happier man when I am loving others than when I am selfishly doing my own thing. That's what the scripture teaches. We are happier people, more joyful, more satisfied people when we are pursuing the loving of other people than when we are just doing our own thing. So I am wise to reason this way. What will bring me the greatest joy, serving my own interests or serving the interests of others? But you ask, am I not seeking to serve my own interests by being so motivated to serve others? This gets a little confusing. You say, well, aren't you serving your own interests? If you're thinking, well, now if I serve other people, I'm going to be happier. You see, there's a little bit of a conflict perhaps there. How do we resolve that? Well, I suggest to you that when I most ardently pursue my own joy in serving others, only then are others best served. Let me explain this. Something that has always been difficult for me as a pastor is to go to people's homes and visit them. You look at me perhaps and think, well, that shouldn't be true. Every pastor ought to enjoy doing that. But it's it's always been difficult for me. I would rather sit at my desk and study than go to somebody's home and visit with them, because I like to study. And I am uncomfortable when I go to people's home and visit them. Even though I know how much people appreciate it when I visit them in, the ho- in their homes, my selfish nature is to think how uncomfortable it makes me feel. And therefore I find some other way to occupy my time. I tell you that when people come to, s- to visit me, I have an appointment with somebody that's coming to, to see me for some counseling or something, s- often. If they're, you know, five minutes late, I'll look at my watch or the clock and I'll go, oh, maybe they're not coming. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? (laughs) But after I get out of my chair and go visit someone in their home, I come away having really enjoyed the experience and sensing that God has used me to encourage the ones I've been with. Therefore, wisdom tells me if I want greater joy, then I should visit people in their homes more often. But there still remains this nagging thought. Is it right to visit somebody because I get so much joy out of it? I believe, in fact, that it is best to visit somebody because of the happiness I receive from it. <clears throat> if I come to your home because I feel it's a duty to do so, will you enjoy my visit? as much as if I come to your home because I'm excited about doing it I walk into your house and you know you get the feeling from me that well you know I got to do one of these a week and you're next on the list so here I am (laughs) you can enjoy that no you're not gonna enjoy that I won't enjoy it. you won't enjoy it and you'll think well I hope that doesn't happen again but if I come into your home and you sense the nonverbal language coming from me that I'm enjoying this and I'm glad I'm here. I'm actually, I'm actually coming to your house to visit you because, because I'm looking forward to what I'm going to jo- uh, uh, the pleasure I'm going to receive in doing that. If a husband gives flowers to his wife because he feels that he has to, will she enjoy that expression? Well, here's the flowers. <sighs> Somebody told me that this was a good thing to do. And they're expensive, and I don't understand it. It seems like a waste to me. They're just going to die anyway, but here they are. <coughs> is his wife going to be excited about that? I don't think so. But if instead he buys those flowers, and he's thinking about how much fun it's going to be to give it to her, and uh, seeing the smile on her face and, and everything like that, and he hands those to her, is she more excited about receiving them when he's more excited about pursuing his joy? Yeah. If a wife makes a special dinner for her husband, well, I haven't done anything special for him for a while. I guess I better do it. And so she makes a dinner. I don't even like what I'm making, but I'm going to make it for him because he likes it. Is he going to enjoy that as much as if she finds great joy in making it for him? You see how other people's joy is wrapped up in our pursuance or, or the way that we pursue joy ourselves? In the experience i don't know if you've ever given thought to this before you know, you're probably thinking where are you going with this <clears throat> but this is really important because god has offered to us rewards and it matters to god whether or not we whether we pursue the rewards that he's offered to us if a child cleans his room because his parents says he has to Will his parents receive as much joy as if the child cleans the room because they're looking for the joy of doing it? As a matter of fact, I would say as a parent that my child is maturing if they're, doing, if they're cleaning the room for the joy that there is to have a clean room. Wouldn't you say so? Would you be disappointed to discover that Jesus died on the cross for you because of the joy that he would receive after he completed his task? Jesus died on the cross for you because he was looking forward to the joy that he would receive afterwards. Does that disappoint you? Do you think that Jesus should have died just because he loved us so much and because we needed it so bad? He did those things but he also did it for the joy that he was going to get afterwards. Does that tarnish his act of love? No. It makes it even more special because we can think when we read the scriptures that says Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the Father. When I read that, I think, wow, Jesus was looking forward to the joy that he was gonna receive when he died for me. When he was suffering there on the cross, there was something up there ahead that he was looking forward to, and I'm a part of that joy that he was looking forward to. (coughs) It, It increases my joy to know that he was looking forward to the joy that he would receive the joy of the receiver is inf- intimately wrapped up in the joy of the giver and vice versa if I want to give you a gift or a reward and you're not excited about receiving it my joy is diminished you ever done that you've given a gift to somebody you know and you're all excited about giving it and and they open up the gift and they go oh <laughs> I got one of those already and your, your, your emotions just go, just way down. You know? On the other hand, if you're happy with what you received, my joy is made full. When the NFL commissioner gives the Lombardi trophy to the winners of the Super Bowl, it will be a happy experience for him because he knows that the ones who receive it will be happy to receive it this is going to be a fun thing he's going to be on national television he's going to hand this award over to these people and he knows this is going to be fun why? because they're going to be excited they're going to take and lift it up above their heads and they're going to kiss it and they're going to do all the things that silly things that people do when they get the awards and it'll be a fun experience because he knows that they've worked hard for it and and, uh, and, uh, they're excited about having it do you think for a moment that God has offered us rewards that he is not excited to give us? God has offered us rewards and he's sitting up there in heaven excitedly looking forward to giving them to us. Can you imagine any other scenario? Is God offered us rewards and he's up in heaven going, oh, I've got to give these rewards out? No. That would, that would speak ill of him and the rewards that he wants to give us. Do you think that God will be more glorified if we are eagerly looking forward to receive what He is excited to give us than if we feign disinterest in the whole subject of rewards that He's offering to us? Let me just quickly go through some scriptures that talk about rewards. Uh, I don't have these to put in front of you, but uh, if you want to jot them down, you can. Mark 10, 43 to 44. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. So you say, yeah, I'll sweep the floors if it'll give me the opportunity of being great in the kingdom of God. Is there something wrong with that? Jesus said, as I've already mentioned, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive, Acts 20, 35. We might respond and say, yes, I'll contribute to the poor so I'll get even greater blessings from God. Is there something wrong with that? I just pause for a moment. You've all heard about the um, uh, God wants you rich kind of preaching. What is that called? Health and wealth, Health and wealth gospel. Um, the, the clear differentiation between that which is, I believe is an error and that which is, is uh, correct is that give money or give of yourself in order to receive from God, but don't put any stipulations on how God is going to reward you. See, what the problem is, is that people say, well, if you give $100, God is going to give you $1,000. And Scripture clearly teaches that if we're generous with what God has given us, He will give us way much more back, but He doesn't say in what kind He's going to give it back to us, nor do we make demands on God in what kind He gives back to us. But he has promised that when we give anything in his name that we will receive back many times more both in this life and in the life to come. Matthew chapter 6 verse 6 says when you, go, when you pray go into your inner room and when you have shut the door pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will repay you. Yes I'll pray in private where nobody can see me because I believe that God will reward me for my efforts in prayer. Luke chapter 15 verse 7 says, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Yes, I'll share my faith in Jesus Christ with people who don't know him because if that person receives Christ, it will bring me great joy. Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 say whatever you do do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Yeah, I'll work hard at work. I'll work for the Lord because I know that God is going to reward me for my hard work. Something wrong with that? Matthew chapter five, eleven and twelve says, "Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Yes, I'll be willing to let people make fun of my faith in Jesus, since God will reward me in heaven luke 18 22 says Jesus said to this young man, one thing you still lack, sell your possessed, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. Yes, I'll be willing to give up some of my earthly possessions since I know that God will give me even better stuff in heaven. Does this mean that we should be bubbling over with joy and happiness every moment of the day? No. Do you think that Jesus was bubbling over with joys he suffered on the cross? no the Bible says that he experienced deep sorrow but he was motivated by the joy that he would receive he was looking forward to the re- reward I'd like to suggest to you that rewards are, are a motivation number one are, uh, uh, rewards serve as a godly motivation to work and I've already mentioned this scripture to you but Colossians three twenty three and 24 whatever you do do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Whatever work it is, do it for the Lord. Whether you are uh, assembling computers, whether you're fixing cars, whether you're baking a meal, whether you are uh, helping people in in what we would call Christian ministry. Did you know that all, all your interactions with people are Christian ministry if you're a believer in Jesus Christ? You can't separate that. You are are a personal representative of Jesus Christ. When you rub shoulders with people, you're involved in Christian ministry. You're representing Jesus Christ wherever you go. So do your work heartily. It's for the Lord. I I was really conscious of that when I worked for several years at Pepsi-Cola while I was going through college and graduate school. I recognized that in that place, I was his personal representative and how I worked. The way I gave myself to to. Being a good employee spoke well of my Savior. And I was working for the Lord. That, that was the thing that kept me motivated when I was doing just work that was really boring. I said, I'm working for Jesus. He's my boss. I didn't have to wonder, I didn't have to look to see if the supervisor was watching me or not because I knew that Jesus was watching me all the time and he was my boss. And it gave me a sense of joy and purpose and purpose. Sorting dirty pop bottles. Secondly, rewards are a godly motivation to endure. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sometimes it's just a matter of hanging on, and what keeps us going is that there's something out there that we're looking forward to, the joy that's in in front of us. John Piper says it this way, God is most glorified when we're most satisfied. So God wants us to pursue the rewards that he offers to us because he will be most glorified when we do. Don't imagine that in heaven, you know, that we are going to receive rewards and those who receive rewards are going to preen like a proud peacock and strut about it's not that's not what heaven's going to be like god is offering something to you eternal rewards they will be yours forever they will be a source of eternal joy for you they will result in praise and honor and glory the bible says when you see jesus Here on earth, generally only one receives the prize. But in heaven, we can all receive a prize. On earth, when one receives the prize, the rest are sad. In heaven, when one receives the prize, the rest will rejoice together with the recipient. All right, way to go. On earth, the glory of the prize quickly fades. In heaven, The glory of a prize will last forever. An imperishable crown, 1 Corinthians 9 says. God wants you to work for the prize he wants to give you. Jesus was motivated by the prize. It is indeed a godly motivation to work for rewards. So when you read those scripture passages that talk about rewards, say, I'm going for that. Whatever it takes. God has given us a number of motivations he 's given us his love as a motivation to serve him. when we see what Jesus did for us on the cross we 're motivated to want to serve, love him and serve him. God has given us a motivation of fear as well. the fear of the Lord is, is a motivation that wow there could be you know there could be consequences to being disobedient and so that motivates us to not be disobedient but God has also given us this great motivation the, the the offer of rewards that would be ours forever. Now we don't know exactly what those rewards are going to be like. They're not, I'm convinced that they're not going to be a piece of metal that we wear on our heads or that we cast in a pile in front of Jesus. Um, I suspect that those rewards are going to be something more like being in Jesus' cabinet, being sent on special missions by the Father, remember Jesus' disciples came to him and said when you come into your kingdom can one of us sit on your right and one of us sit on your left and did Jesus say no that's not how it's going to be he didn't say that did he he said no that'll be distributed by the father hmm if you're getting close to Jesus in this life you have the opportunity to be close to him all throughout eternity that doesn't mean that. I mean, you know, immediately when we say that, everybody thinks about it, the bad things for everybody else. Well, what about all those people who don't get rewards? Somehow or another, I think that we have an attitude that when we get to heaven, God is going to do this. He's going to do this wave of His hand, and everybody will be equal. And all of the promises that He gave us about rewards will be canceled. And it's not the truth. The truth is that how we live today and tomorrow will make a difference when we're in in, in heaven. I said this, and I need to remind you again, I said this when we began this, and I'll remind you over and over again, that we're not talking about entering heaven. Entering heaven is a gift that we receive when we ask Jesus to be our Savior. We're not talking about entrance into heaven, we're talking about rewards in heaven. I was talking to my mother a couple of weeks ago. She was here when I began preaching on this and we were talking about my dad who went to be with the Lord in 2001. He was my hero. If I could just be like my dad I'd be a happy man. He loved the Lord. He unashamedly told people about his faith in Jesus Christ he was a real estate salesman when I was talking with my mom she told me that when my dad was in the hospital before he died he said to my mom well I think I could have done more for Jesus but I did the best I could and I concur. I concur. That's all we have to do, folks. Just the best we can. And God's promised us rewards that will be ours through all eternity. Everybody's going to enjoy heaven, but some will enjoy it more than others. And how we live during this brief little time we call life on earth will, will matter throughout all eternity let's go for it huh let's go for it let's let's lay aside the the attractions and the affections of this world and let's focus on, on, on taking as many people to the kingdom of God as we can loving God with all our hearts and our neighbors as ourselves let's pray God you are amazing when I consider even myself that you would love me. Thank you. All I can say is thank you. Lord, I pray that you would cause us not to, to miss the truth about what you want uh, to give to us when, when we stand before you someday. The enemy would like us to think that it doesn't matter how we live today. We're all going to heaven anyway. But God, help us to realize even for those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ, it matters how we live today. And it will make a difference throughout all eternity. Help us not to miss the prize. We're reminded of what Paul said. I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after having preached to others, I myself might not miss the prize. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. We pray in his name. Amen.